coming to you from St. George, Utah. This is 70 is the New 50, a fun look at the joyous side of aging. And now your host for 70 is the New 50, Jan Graham Hunt. Well, hello and welcome to 70 is the New 50. I'm your host, Jan Graham Hunt. And yes, the good news in 2022 is that we are getting younger and healthier as we age. We're going to talk about that and shine some light on inspiring examples. As always, a quick note about me. I'm a retired lawyer from Salt Lake City. My husband and I moved to St. George about eight years ago, and we love it. We all know St. George is a mecca for pickleball, which I'm addicted to, and hiking, and biking, and so many other things, but we have also discovered the vast opportunities for learning and personal growth, especially for us youngsters over 60. Why the podcast? I got the idea from my son, Will, who works in entertainment in Los Angeles, and among many other things, is a podcast creator and host. He showed me the world of podcasts and helped me create this one. The foundational ethic of this podcast is that aging is not a negative. It's a victory. We are proud of our age, and more importantly, what we are doing at our age. I'm tickled to be 72 and counting. We are recording today in the podcast room run by Sean Denovan on the beautiful Dixie State campus, soon to be Utah Tech University in gorgeous St. George, Utah. We call it St. Gorgeous. It's the cultural epicenter of the West. I am so happy today to have as my guest a remarkable young man of 75 who has managed to be a renowned urologist for over 40 years with many exalted titles here at St. George Regional Hospital, including Chief of Surgery. We could talk all day about his medical career without covering half of it. But then there is also this other little career which he managed at the same time to author and publish seven novels, all of which have sold successfully. That's something many professional writers never accomplish. Finally, and close to home for all of us, he is an esteemed teacher at ICL, the Institute for Continued Learning, in classes related to both medicine and this semester, creative writing. We're going to talk about all of it. Welcome, Dr. Warren Stuckey. Thank you. Call me Warren, please. <laughs> I will do that. So, Warren, just to get us started, would you take a moment and tell us your story, starting from your early days right here in St. George at Dixie High School? Is that right? That's correct. I, uh, I am a native of Southern Utah, and I was going to have Jan ask me how I got here, and I, <laughs> and I was going to say by the maternity ward, but she, she never asked me, so I thought I'd put it you in anyway. You got it in anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, I grew up here in Santa Clara, actually, on a uh, small farm. I uh, grew up uh, milking cows, slopping hogs, feeding chickens, gathering eggs, all before I went to school at mm. 8 o'clock and then again in the evening. I went to Dixie High School. I was not an outstanding student at Dixie High School, but uh, I um, was a pretty good football player, and uh, I thought that I'd make that my career. And so I was going to be a professional football player until I got into college, and I realized that I wasn't near as 
good, not near as big and not nearly as fast as I thought I was. So I better find another profession. <laughs> I see. And after college, you went to medical school. Right? I did in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. At the University of Utah. And what is your specialty? What has been your special focus as a doctor? Urology, right. uro- urology, uro- uro- urological surgery. Right. And I assume that uh, the issue of prostate cancer has been a big one for you. A very big one. Big part of my practice, I'd say roughly at least 30%. 30%. Yeah, and St. George, our demographics uh, are skewed towards the older people. And, of course, prostate cancer is a disease of older men. Right. And um, how many of those types of surgeries would you guess you have performed over the years, over your 40-year career? For a- pros- any- prostate cancer? Yes. Maybe a thousand or so. My, yeah. yeah. And other surgeries? I would, I'm just guessing 40 years, probably 10,000. That's amazing. And as we mentioned, you were chief of surgery here at the hospital. Um, I also know from reading about you that you are a, can we say you're a cowboy? You can't say that. A rancher. (laughs) What's your term? (laughs) I actually like that. (laughs) I like that better than doctor, to be honest with you. All right. Uh, Yeah, I grew up on a little farm ranch. Dad always had cows and horses. Uh, when I left home and, and then uh, came back and settled, settled down and got my own place, I stayed with the horses I could do without the cows. And so I haven't had cows, but I've had horses. And for, still, still still have a ranch here in I have St. George. what I call a hobby ranch, um, meaning I don't try to make any money off of it. I definitely don't make any money off of it. It's a hobby ranch. And you also have dogs, I understand. I have two Labrador uh, Labrador retrievers that I love dearly. Uh huh. And let, tell tell me their names. Uh, the the yellow lab, the male is Caleb, and my wife, bless her soul, named the girl. She got to name the girl. Uh, That's fair. A, a, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a black lab, and she named him Gotti. And uh, I, you know, everybody says, well, "What does Gotti stand for?" Well. Gotti, she's either Godiva, short for Godiva, or uh, she says it's uh, you spell God backwards and you got dog. (laughs) Either one works. And I'm a dog lover myself, so I love hearing that. Uh, Let's talk about your writing. Uh, When did your interest first begin? I, uh, well, it's it's a little bit of story. Uh, In 19... Uh, 68, I was a, uh, uh, junior in college. I was up at, uh, SUSC. It's, uh, SU, or SU, SUU now, Southern Utah. Right, right, in Cedar. Mm-hmm. I was in Cedar in my third year, and, uh, the Vietnam War was raging, and I really didn't want to go to Vietnam. And, uh, so in order to get a student deferment, I had to go to three quarters of school a year. We were on quarter basis back then. And I'd only had two quarters in that year, so I had to go to summer school. And summer school, they were offering absolutely nothing that I wanted. I was majoring in the sciences, and I'd either taken everything they were offering or I didn't have the right prerequisites for what they were offering. And so they were offering an expiratory writing class. 
and advanced expiratory writing. And I thought, ah, I'll take it. I need the credits and it'll probably be an easy A. And so <laughs> I signed up for the exp, exp, uh, expository writing class and found I really loved writing, even though it was a compository. And I even briefly thought about changing majors at that time. And then my left brain kind of took over and said, well, you know, how are you going to make a living doing that? That's really stupid. <laughs> and so when fall uh, quarter rolled around, then I signed up for my science classes again. So and then I did get back into writing for 20 or so years after that. And your first published novel, when was that? 2002. Okay, so a few years later from that uh, class you took. And during that time before you published, were you writing? Were you writing for your own enjoyment or writing for other reasons, for just uh, more casual reasons? Not really. I was just uh, really, really busy with my career. Indeed, indeed. But I would periodically miss writing and think about, you know, I would really like to get into that someday. And uh, and uh, when I did get back into writing, I had to relearn the keyboard because I didn't even know how to type. Sure, and that does help. <laughs> I know that some of your novels feature a protagonist named Dr. Cooper, yes. part, part of the Dr. Cooper series, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But let's start with this question. Are you Dr. Cooper? Uh, most authors write what they know, and uh, not everything about Dr. Cooper is me, but certainly some things are. Right, and it helps to know intimately the world that you're writing about, as you clearly do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just for fun, I'm going to read off uh, the books you've authored that I found on Amazon. And I know there are probably others, but um, I'm going to say each title and, and the year that you published it and maybe get a quick comment from you about what is at the heart of each story for you? Okay. And we're going to start with Boys Pond. It's going to tax my memory. Okay. <laughs> Boys Pond, 2001. Boys Pond was really a labor of love. It was uh, set in uh, uh, the uh, uh, late 1950s when the above ground testing, uh, uh, nuclear testing was going on in Yucca Flats, uh, you know, 100 miles uh, as a crow flies right, from here. Right, right. And uh, we were bathed with an inordinate amount of radiation. And anyway, that's the setting of Boys Pond. Wonderful, wonderful. The next one is Hunting for Hippocrates, 2003. Hunting for Hippocrates, the idea actually came from a fellow physician. And uh, it's about, uh, it's roughly about how if uh, some Machiavellian person got hold of our lab, medical lab, and decided to mess up the tests on purpose, that would raise a lot of havoc. And it wouldn't be that hard to do. I see. I see. So this is a bit of a thriller. It is. Medical thriller. Yeah. Medical thriller. Uh, the next one is Sagebrush Sedition, 2008. Yeah. It, it, I have two historical novels. Uh, the, the first one, uh, uh, Boy's Pond, and this was a historical novel. This is... So, what, what, uh, 2000, 2008 is what Amazon has. 90, I think, is when the Grand Staircase National Monument uh, was uh, dedicated by uh, uh, President uh, Bill Clinton. 
And uh, that was created a, just a firestorm in, in those counties, in Kane and Garfield Yes, County. I recall it. And it almost came to a shooting war over there. And I was just fascinated by it. I clipped uh, and saved all the newspaper clippings on that. I actually took a couple of weeks and went over and interviewed everybody that I could that was involved in that controversy. And it's fiction, but that novel is based around the controversy of the Grand Staircase National Monument. And you, it sounds like you did some journalistic type research to build the story about what's actually going on. Yeah, I mean, because uh, uh, I had to. I mean, if I write about physicians and hospitals, I don't have to do much research. Right, but, right. But, but this one I had to. And also, you were you were struck by what was going on. It, it had some importance to you, obviously. Yeah, I, I did. And I grew up, like I say, on a small uh, ranch. And uh, and so I could see the controversy from both sides. Sure. Yeah. That's helpful. Uh, the next one I have is Mountain Mayhem. 2015 and um, um, I'm sorry excuse me I missed I missed the next one is 2014 and that is called hemorrhage and I believe is that the first Dr. Cooper of the series it is the first of the Dr. Cooper series and, and uh, basically it's a novel where uh, Dr. Cooper mysteriously has patients bleed to death on the three patients bleed to death on the operating table and that gets him in all kinds of trouble including he loses his his hospital his uh, operating privileges his hospital privileges gets you know sued you know, malpractice suits and eventually uh, 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 criminal suit uh, that's the drama right uh, and the next one is another dr cooper mountain mayhem yeah and again this was one that i got fascinated by uh newspaper stories and this was and uh, Jan, I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, these uh, youth wilderness camps, uh, the, yes. there was a, a counselor killed in one of those, and some of the kids ex escaped and, and that sort of thing. And actually, those youth wilderness camps are fairly common in Utah. They are indeed. And, uh, and so that's basically the setting on uh, Mountain Mayhem. Uh, that sounds fascinating. There are two more. The Reluctant Carv Carnivore, 2017, and is that the last in the Dr. Cooper series so far? No, there's one at the publisher right now. The Death of Samantha Rolls will be the last. It's not out yet. It'll, it's at the publisher Okay. Now. There's yeah. there's a little tip for our listeners. And uh, the final one I've got is Gross Anatomy, and that's 2020, fairly recently. And is that a little play on Gray's Anatomy? No. Okay. <laughs> it's not. Uh, in medical school, your first class on your first day is usually gross anatomy, which is... I see. It's the name of a class. Got the, it. The dissection of, uh, of the human body. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is a, a story uh, told from both the medical student and the cadaver's point of view. And, oh, wonderful. And, uh, the, you know, and there is a mystery. And somehow the two of the medical student and the cadaver are related, but they don't figure it out for a while. And... and the cadaver died under uh, suspicious circumstances, and, and I see. Uh, and so that all unwinds in the story. That sounds fascinating. All right, listeners, they're all on Amazon. You know where to find them. I want to talk now, Warren, about your current class at ICL, your creative writing class, and I know it's designed to help basically retired people write their first novel, although there may be students in the class who have written before. Um, 
my connection is that my husband, Buzz, is in your class. And it's interesting to me, he's a retired economist. He's a numbers guy. And he loves your class and seems to be on his way to his first novel, though he tells me there's loads of work ahead. Tell me why you chose not only to be an author, but also to help others who've retired from their first career, shall we say, and explore writing as a passion. Well, uh, there's, there's a, I, I guess, two, two, uh, an, or two ways you can go with that. First is, would be, why am I an ICL, period? <laughs> and, 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 and feel free to talk about that, because it's an amazing program. Then, then the accident one, why, and of course, I love writing, and, uh, and I, uh, you know, really enjoy teaching, and I really enjoy seeing people uh, get the fire, you know, the... Uh, to write, I ended up in ICL. I, I retired at age seventy, and uh, and uh, I wanted I was going to write retire at sixty five, and my son uh, told me he didn't think that was a good idea for me, and I, he was absolutely right. And so I retired at seventy and moped around at my house, uh, drove my wife crazy. I think she was going to get a divorce if I didn't do something, and. Uh, <laughs> And so I signed up to work in the Doctors Free Clinic, and I signed up for ICL. And, and the Doctors uh, Free Clinic is a volunteer clinic here in St. George? Yeah, but they pay me really well. I see. Well, uh, <laughs> I think your colleagues there will be interested to hear, hear that. Hear how much they're paying me? Well, they doubled my <laughs> salary this last year, so. Maybe a free sandwich once in a while? <laughs> zero, uh, double zero, you still get zero. Huh? I see. All right. But the ICL experience for you, I know that not only, uh, or at least before the class, this semester, creative writing, that you have taught a class on men's health. And I will just throw in that I heard that from Rob Kramer, who is the director of ICL, about his wife took the class, or they both did, and he got the information he needed to find out that he had early stage prostate cancer and got some intervention and he feels that class saved his life. Well, uh, I don't know if all that's true or not, but uh, but he did take my class. And uh, and what was the name of the class? Uh, it's called uh, Health for Men and for the Women Who Love Them. And uh, right. I teach that in the fall, and I, this is my fourth year teaching both, both creative writing and uh, men's health. And so I teach that in the fall, and then the spring I teach uh, creative writing. Oh, that's a great uh, combination. Yeah, well. Can you say which one uh, you maybe love more or have gotten more satisfaction out of them, or is that like choosing between your two kids? Ah, uh, boy, I could choose between my kids. No. Okay, good. <laughs> no. I hope they're listening. <laughs> I hope they're not. Uh, when I finish the when I finish, finish the men's health class, I think. Particularly if the class went well, I, oh boy, that was just just a great class, right? And gets me jazzed up for doing it again. And then the same with the creating writing class, and and this class this year has really been good. The only one that I'm really thinking about uh, failing is this uh, fellow called Buzz Hunt. I mean, Buzz, right? Yeah, he yeah. could he could be a problem. He is a problem, you know. Right. Uh, we can talk more about that when we are off the air, so to speak. Um, what, talk about your class structure just a little bit. Um, 
I guess the question for me is, what is the most important thing you, you're trying to share for aspiring writers of fiction? What are you trying to share with them? Well, this class is designed for, for the non-professional writer. And so the first thing I try to do is just teach them the mechanics of writing. How do you write fiction? What's involved? How do you develop characters? How do you develop plot? What about setting? What about theme? And so we just go through the mechanics of how you actually get started. And, and then, I know there's a lot of focus on structure. Buzz has showed me its materials. Really impressive. And then towards the end, I teach more about the art of writing rather than the, the mechanics of writing. Wonderful. And um, your students, I assume most of them have not been writers. They've been in other careers. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's true. So this is something that maybe is a dream of theirs that you're making making it real. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, Warren, this podcast is about how we stay engaged and motivated and feeling fully alive as we age. And as always with my guests, I want to talk to you about how you continue to do that. I have a few questions about that. Um, what are the things you do now in your life that make you feel the most alive? Well, uh, I, I, I do like to exercise every day. In fact, uh, uh, I've, according to my Apple Watch, I've already put in over five miles today. So I take my dogs out for a hike every day, me and my wife usually. Also, uh, we, we're cross-country skiers. I ride my horses, uh, usually do a week uh, backpacking trip in the Uintas, take our fishing poles, and my brother-in-laws and I go up there and get on each other's nerves for a week and then, and then come back. Uh, uh, it's a wonderful tradition. Uh, and where, where do you cross-country ski? Uh, if the snow's good, you can go right up here to Pine Valley. Uh, otherwise, right, we go right. up on, on Cedar Mountain. And they actually have a, uh, a groomed 20-mile uh, course up on Cedar Mountain. I didn't know that. Fantastic. Um, tell me a little bit about your family history. What role did that play in, in how you have maintained vitality in your life? Or, or did it play a role? Are uh, you... Are you, are you I guess the big, biggest thing in my family uh, growing up the way I did, it, it has taught me a couple of things. It taught me how to, how, to, how to work and how to be persistent, how to finish a job. Sure. And second of all, it taught me how to get up early, and I still get up early. I, I'm up at 4 o'clock every morning, even though I'm retired. I, I'm, I'm a terrible sleeper, but I get up and write at 4 every morning. So I was going to ask you that, actually. That's a time when you find is your best time to do writing early, before your day starts. Before my day starts and before my wife starts nagging me, yeah. Well, that's a very smart <laughs> she, strategy you've got there. I hope right. she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, Warren, we, we have just a couple of, of minutes left, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about a subject that interests me a lot, and that is creativity, the need that humans have to be creative on some level. And... Obviously, you've done that in an extraordinary way. You've done it as a, as a doctor, and you've done it as a, a writer, and you've done it as a teacher. Um, talk about that a little bit in terms of what it means to you, and, and do you think it is vital for us to make a place for pre creativity as we age? Yeah, I, I actually, I did not fulfill my creative need in medicine. 
And that's one of the reasons I turned to writing. Medicine, medicine yeah. is pretty cookbook. You either play by the rules or you get in big trouble. Exactly. And uh, there's not a lot of room for creativity, going out on your own, experimenting, doing things in medicine and writing there is. And so to feel my creative side, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I turned to writing. And does that continue to play a role, would you say, in living a vital life and living a fully engaged life for you? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I can't imagine changing right now at all. Right. It's, it's yeah. wonderful to hear that. Um, from being in your class, my husband tells me there is maybe a third career for you, and that is as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> is that next, Warren? Uh, I, uh, I've regretted one, a couple of things in my life. And one is making friends with Russ Stevenson and, uh, <laughs> who is president of ICL, who is president of ICL. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he got me in a, in involved in a melodrama. It's his fault. I see and, the melodrama class and melodrama. Got it. Well, um, that is a wrap. I want to thank you to our guest, Warren Stuckey, and to all of you for joining us for 70s The New 50. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us for 70 is the new 50 in coming episodes. You will meet the rock stars in our community who are sharing their expertise to empower us to stay young, healthy, and happy as we age. We'll see you on the next episode of 70 is the new 50. In the meantime, live long, live well, and live with joy. This has been a production from a podcast studio.